Thank you for joining Working Cultures Success Stories, where we learn about the professional lives of artists, creatives, and cultural workers. In this podcast, we will hear how people in the arts and culture sector secure employment and the advice they have for those looking for work or hiring. We hope these podcasts will guide you through your professional journey in the arts. It's week 10 of our COVID-19 quarantine, and I understand that many of you are at home right now and potentially feeling like there's not much success happening during this challenging time. Well, in the next few episodes of Success Stories, we will try to shed some light and share with you the opportunities that are still available, the silver linings, and the advice from people who are still striving for success each day. Today, we are speaking with Kimberly Gibson, the Vice President of Client Services at Reason One, and we're speaking with her so that we learn from her about how remote work can help us to succeed. And Kimberly brings over 19 years of digital strategy experience helping organizations navigate the complexities of implementing digital platforms and tools that solve business needs and meet user expectations. She lives and breathes user experience and believes that building in user experience and accessibility best practices into the framework of an organization are integral to their success. So thank you so much, Kim, for joining us today. You know, we've worked with Reason One for many years now, and I'm delighted to have you on as our guest for this episode. And it's really because, you know, Reason One has been working remotely for several years now. And I thought, you know, what better than to get expert advice on how to work remotely from our wonderful partners. My first question is, as a digital solutions provider, what do you notice that most organizations need to improve upon? No, that's a great question. Thank you for having me. It's probably one of the most difficult questions. <laughs> and by that, it's, it's really based upon each um, different organization and what they need. But in general, what I would say is the largest improvement is to really understand what tools are out there and will best service what they need. Because there's often a mindset of just making everything that you do digital, which isn't really realistic from a cost perspective, but also from a use perspective. So I would find the most difficult thing is really understanding what tools in a digital capacity can actually amplify what you do on a daily basis and understanding how to put those in place and how to roll them out effectively with your team. That is probably the biggest problem that I see in most organizations that they're really struggling to solve, especially right now. Have you noticed a difference in the kinds of needs organizations that are nonprofit require or you know, need to improve upon versus the for-profit organizations? To be frank, oftentimes nonprofits and or organizations that are not for-profit have the struggles of the infrastructure already being in place, especially nonprofits that quite often have a lot of legacy. So they just slowly start to adapt things. It's very difficult for them to find resources and or money, for lack of a better way of explaining it, to be able to really overhaul and start moving towards a 
like a transformation of their culture and the products and tools in order to support a digital environment. So that's probably what I would find is the most difficult for them is being able to use that money and funds to also start making those changes and to move forward with a variety of different things in place. As well as equally, kind of like I mentioned a second ago, is just understanding which of those will better augment their what they're currently doing. And have you noticed a change in the types of services that Reason One gets hired for now because of the pandemic? For example, do you see an increase in organizations wanting help with system integration? Yeah, we have for sure been reached out to often too, because a lot of our clients know how we work for so long. And because we already did remote because we have offices in not only the US, but Ireland and Canada as well. So we've already had a remote work kind of culture, um, considering that and a lot of our clients have worked with us in those different spectrums and seeing that we've done a pretty decent job of leveraging, you know, video conferencing, also a whole bunch of other digital tools that help for like brainstorming sessions and workshops and stuff like that. So we've gotten a lot of feedback and requests for us to kind of help them consider what tools they can put in place, the small ways that they can improve things that they're handling, whether it just be basic project handling or in the more larger impact would be just helping them quickly ramp up their websites or the offerings that they do to be more enhanced for that digital experience rather than a lot of the like in-person offline type of experiences that they've done in the past. So for sure, those are the things that have been coming up uh, most frequently, um, especially with the, the pandemic in place. It's become like an urgent need for them to start considering those things. What do you think the average workplace will look like a year from now after we resolve everything that's happening with the pandemic? Do you see more emphasis on using digital tools and solutions. What's going to be different? And is there any way that we can prepare for things right now? I absolutely do think it will be different. It was already kind of trending towards that. There was a lot more of the concept of remote work and or work from home privileges and stuff. A lot of organizations have realized the cost of overhead and stuff like that and how they can make improvements. You're hard pressed to find, for example, startups right now that first thing they do is find an office. Most of them don't. They're largely remote because they understand that cost perspective. So I do think with as we come out of this pandemic, that is going to be a large part of the future as well, is that there's going to be less office space used in the same way that it was previously, a lot more flexibility of schedules. This also because especially with us being in Ontario as one of the provinces that we re- our office is in and the accessibility requirements that are coming up, remote work has a lot of um, benefits for those that might be challenged in other ways. So it's been coming a topic that's been discussed for quite some time. And I think with the pandemic, it is just showing businesses that a lot of the belief systems around like productivity, necessity of having an office space for collaboration isn't actually always accurate and that you can augment some of that stuff with digital tools as long as you start building that remote culture and using the right tools then that's not really as necessary as physically being in the presence there's definitely some benefits to that but it's not necessary so over the course of the next year 
I feel that we're going to see a big shift on that of even though when we start going back to the offices, I don't think it's going to be a sudden shift right back to that mindset. I think it's going to be a slow progression. I also feel like you're going to start seeing offices that maybe do far more shared office space with a lot more staff that is working from home and then leveraging a lot more of those digital collaborative um, tools like video conferencing, online workshopping, online education. Like I feel a lot of that is going to start really booming in the next uh, year or so. Can you tell me about Reason One's work culture before COVID-19 and then how it how it's shifted for you and your team now? You know, you've been working remotely uh, as an organization for several years, but if you could talk a little bit about your work culture. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, we do have offices in other countries. So we have had a remote work culture for quite some time. And we have people in not only in those offices, but also that work in just other regions of the world as well. But now with everyone mandated to it, what we did is we took a look at that concept of when would the times be where they didn't have that remote concept of working together, like from a video or something like that. And it was like those morning coffee breaks, the lunch hour, like we do socials on Thursdays. So we wanted to make sure that normalcy was still brought in, but brought in into the virtual space. So we would block out a lunch hour with like an open, what we call like water cooler chats and stuff. So anybody can log into that video conference and over lunch and chit chat, play games like we would commonly do in our office. Same thing as we still maintain our Thursday social of doing it as a video conferencing. So trying to maintain that normalcy. And we also just have a kind of a policy in place, which we had prior to now, but it's just really even more reinforced is whenever we have meetings, we always would have video on. We just make sure that those kind of things are at play. Video is super important because you can still read body language. You can still see the attention of individuals. And that helps a lot rather than just being on the phone or in a verbal capacity. So those are some of the things that we've kind of reinforced. And we've just also just reinforced the culture of what we call just leaving loud and or being present. So we like over communicate about, hey, stepping away from the keyboard for a bit, or I'm leaving for the day, like we use Slack as a communication channel. So we always publicly talk about that just so everybody has an expectation because you can't just like look over into the desk area next to you to see where someone is. So it's easier if you're like hyper aware of where people are. So those are the things that we've kind of started to make sure that we enforce as a organization, just so everybody feels kind of equal in that way. I imagine, you know, for yourself, as well as for many other people who are now working remotely, it's sometimes a challenge to balance work life and manage everything from home. Do you have any tips or things that you do yourself to maintain a good work-life balance? Yeah, no, that's that's like the hot topic, right? It's like maintaining those two for sure. It depends on your circumstance. Like luxury for me is I do have a separate room that I can utilize as an office. So fortunately, that means that I can enter that office space and leave that office space, which confines my day. And I'm one of those, like if I get head down, I'll forget what time it is. So I put in like little reminders of like, take a break, 
I block out my lunch hour to make sure that I leave my, my desk, my office for an hour to eat my lunch and stuff like that. So I think for me, those are like the keys I need. I need that sense of being able to kind of close the door behind the office so I can separate it. Not everybody has that luxury, of course, because there's some people that just don't have multiple bedrooms. Their office needs to be their dining table or something like that. In those circumstances, I would say the key would be to try as much as you can to like break down the space. Don't start working from your phone, checking your computer at all hours of the day, because then it'll feel like you never disconnect. Like It's very important from a productivity perspective that you have those on times and off times and can disconnect. So even if you have to have your office space, so to speak, you can't see me, but I'm doing quotations or on your dining table or something like however you break apart from it. Like if you turn your monitors around, turn your laptop around, turn it off. You know, if you can't break it down and reset it up every day, whatever you need to do, but to have some kind of final shutdown, I think is imperative. It's really key to being able to have that separation. Mm -hmm. That's really good advice. You know, I'm sort of new to the remote work. And uh, I find that setting aside a space where I can just focus on work stuff and creating a schedule, a to-do list, and maintaining that regular nine to five period for just getting things done has helped for me. But I know there are distractions that, that come up, you know, people in your life at home that request certain things and demand a certain type of attention. So it's difficult to manage, but I think that for sure with time, we'll all get better at it. (laughs) So because working culture, we're known because of our job board and reason one has really helped us with developing our website and updating our job board page. Would you have any advice for employers who are hiring at this time during the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. We actually, well, we had two individuals literally start on the day in which we had the self-quarantine start. So we've already had onboarding processes and stuff in place in our organization, but we did take a major shift to try and understand how we needed to solution those to better suit this more virtual environment. And for us, that included really blocking in like schedules. So on those like first couple of days, making sure there was a whole bunch of virtual meetings and stuff set up so they would get that more personable experience with all their coworkers and everything like that. So similar to when you would have people start in the office and you do like the walk around and let them introduce to everyone, we did that in a virtual capacity and making sure that that was in place. We also did have like very similar HR rules, but frequent check-ins on like a daily basis. We would do like 30 minutes of like, how is it working? Do you need something in your home environment to make you more productive? Do you need an office chair? Those kind of things to really make sure that they had their working environment that would be suited for what they need, as well as just checking in to see how they're progressing. Do they need more resources available? So it's just like over communication, attentiveness, building out that true onboarding plan, just like you would do in a normal situation. But it would be just reinforcing that like collaboration and getting them into group meetings and stuff. Our organization works under something called agile methodology and stuff. So we have daily scrums and meetings within groups on a daily basis. So that was helpful 
for a lot of the new hires to kind of integrate with their teams and stuff like that, that those were already in place. But if you don't have that kind of circumstance, I would say then try and enforce it, like try and create for the first period, a couple of weeks, set those examples and goals of what they want to achieve, make those like meetings, if it's lunch hour or early morning meeting with the team, just so they can kind of understand and shadow someone because it's a lot harder for someone to shadow virtually. So it's, I would say, just be aware of that and making sure you kind of are integrating that into the meetings and stuff like this person can just literally sit in on a video call or a meeting and then just check in on a daily basis to see how they feel they're progressing on their onboarding and stuff. As with everything, just continual communication with the individual to see how they're progressing and make adjustments as you go. Now for arts and culture organizations who are new to remote work, I know that if they're hiring now, some of them may feel apprehensive about how do I know that this individual is going to be actually working? What what do you have to say to those people who are not sure of how the whole work is going to get completed when they're working from home? For sure. That's a, always a concern in reference to productivity and stuff like that. The easiest solution I can say to that is just set expectations. So if you say, here's the deliverable, I need it communicated to me what your timeline is of your progression of it against these kind of timelines and stuff like that. Here's my expectation of when you'll provide it to me. But if you're having difficulties to communicate it early, I think that's really the biggest key is you have to have clear expectations, clear deliverables, open channels of communication where someone can reach out to you. So it's not too different than when you're in an office space. It's just more kind of that self-accountability of asking that person to like communicate with you rather than you being able to see over someone's shoulder or something like that, which sounds very micromanagey. That would be my big key is to try and not make it micromanage. You can determine what works best and the kind of environment that individual needs. Like some people want you to do like the daily check-in and check against how they're doing on the deliverables. Some other individuals might need, especially in arts and culture and stuff like that, might need like some head down space to like focus and get in the zone. And so then you have to just align your expectations with what the need is, as well as what they're capable of doing. And then you just hold them to that, right? Like, and you say, okay, you told me you need two days of like heads down to focus on this task. That means on this third day, we're going to have a meeting to kind of discuss where you've been and go from that. And then you just kind of hold them accountable to that and vice versa. They'll hold you accountable to like communicating to you if something is going by the wayside. Or That's my biggest thing is kind of build out what we call like a working agreement with individuals based upon their needs and their environment. The biggest key to that too is especially right now in this environment, it's not just a straight work from home. You have a lot of kind of, you mentioned a lot of other variables at play. You might have children in your home, you have, you know, stuff along those lines that might be distractions. So it's really establishing what that working agreement is. Maybe they need to work a a block of hours from one to six, and then they get online at like 6am to like 9am. You know what I mean? Like, because those are the times in which they have the freedom to work. It's just that expectation of aligning the expectation with what is possible and really communicating when that needs to shift and to change. Okay. And on the flip side, what are skills that individuals should have now, given all the changes that are taking place and um, people will be working more from home? 
as an employer, what are some skills that you require when you're putting up a job post? The skills should be the same soft skills and everything really exists. In a virtual environment, remote work environment versus an in-person environment, there's not too much different there. It's more finding out what their needs are. So I, by that, I mean, I'm not going to change the hosting. My job duty and my job description for someone that I would hire wouldn't shift. It wouldn't change in any way, shape or form, except for asking through the course of like hiring that individual if they have the stuff that they need available to them, like, do they have a good internet access? Do they have stuff like that, that would be pertinent to them being able to fulfill the job? I wouldn't say it would change much in reference to the hiring process as well, aside from you as an organization, making sure that you've provided them with the tools. Just based on the conversations I've been having lately with people saying, I'm new to this, and I feel I work better in the office or one-on-one rather than independently and where I feel like I'm working in a silo. How are some ways that people can build those skills where they can be more disciplined or productive working independently? You know, working from home, it does require a bit of... um, (laughs) Self-discipline. Yeah, self-discipline. You know, you're working more autonomously maybe even more innovatively. So maybe there are some skills that people should consider now that things are going to be changing with the normal way of how we used to work, where it was easy to just go into the next office and get some advice or you know, a little bit of hand-holding too. Sometimes that would happen more frequently, especially for people who are just starting out in their careers. I think the the difference is, yeah, there's absolutely some skills that are just important for anyone in reference to that self-discipline and stuff. So like time management tips and tricks and stuff along those lines, for sure, things I would recommend kind of implementing. What I do want to touch on is like that collaborative concept of, I think there's still a lot to be said for still doing collaboration in a digital virtual environment. So our organization is very collaborative and like constantly in contact. Like I mentioned previously, we use Slack, which is an open communication tool. And we're constantly talking. So I think from an organizational perspective, it's making sure you have presented those opportunities and making those still available to your staff. Because it is true, there's plenty of people that need that collaboration. They benefit greatly off of throwing an idea at someone, seeing how they return it, and then they build on it and keep building on it. Like There's a lot of people that that's just how their minds process and how they work. They're not self-starters necessarily in that way. I think it's really up to the organization to make sure that that is still possible. It shouldn't be stripped away. That's absolutely imperative. I think anybody can generally agree that that collaboration is a necessity for building better ideas. From an individual basis, it would be giving them those recommendations, like I mentioned, of flexible work schedules, tips and tricks for time management. If you're a performance manager of that individual, it's just doing your your check-ins with them to see how they're progressing, what they're struggling with, so then you can help augment that in any way that you need. So if they're struggling with feeling like they're in a silo and not being able to communicate and collaborate with others, just like start building out maybe some team collaboration ways of working together, 
some brainstorming sessions, stuff along those lines, I think is uh, the biggest key. So it's really an individual basis of determining it. There's plenty of things as an organization you can put in place to offset all the different personalities and working um, habits that people have and or needs. But in this environment, there's so many other extenuating circumstances too, that it's kind of exacerbated a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things. You have to treat it as a, an evolving kind of scenario based upon your individual needs, for sure. As the vice president of client services, have you noticed a difference in how you work with your clients because of the pandemic? You know, a lot of people in organizations in the arts and culture sector were a little bit worried about how to build our audience or work with our constituents. How do you manage that? I know it's a big question. Yeah, definitely noticed a difference because we did have a lot of in-person meetings. Whenever we did a project or a workshop, they generally, we would try and do them in person. So for a lot of the big projects and stuff, we've had to amend those to be far more digital oriented. Like I said, for us, we were fortunately well prepared because we had been doing it for a while. So it wasn't as difficult for us to kind of switch to it. However, from the client side, it would be something they're less familiar with. They're far more familiar with having a physical post-it note and pen in their hand rather than doing it in a digital capacity. So for us, it was more leveraging and taking that into consideration when we would plan for these kind of workshopping and stuff is understanding that the time frame that you would allot for that might be slightly different. You as whoever's facilitating it might need to be a little more probing than you normally would be because everybody's kind of in a siloed way. You might need to come with some stuff already a little like pre-baked to just get everybody thinking ahead rather than how you would generally work a workshop where energies would feed off of each other in a room. And then when you're on video, it's a slightly different thing. And for our other clients that are in kind of the same space with you, it's really taking what works and making sure you build upon that, which sounds very simple, I know, but trying not to force things. So there's just certain things that aren't going to probably work as well. There might be some things that can be completely enhanced and are like exceptionally better in a digital space, but there's just some things that aren't. Digital artist versus like you take someone that's an acrylic painter, for example, and say, okay, now I need you to go ahead and build everything that you do in an acrylic scenario on a digital scenario. They're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Sometimes they just don't translate, like they don't come across. So it's really taking a second and looking at what does work. What in the art and culture aspect works? If collaboration is key, let's enhance that. If it's that the physical presence of showing someone how to use a paintbrush and literally holding their hand to do it, as an example, that might not be something that we can really convert into a digital scenario. If that is the need and the touch. So instead of doing that explicitly, maybe you then take back of why is that the most important? Why is that skill and or that one-on-one connection with them the most important? What is missing from that physical thing that we could potentially enhance from a digital perspective? Which I know overly simplifies it for sure, but it's really trying to get to the crux of what you can do it in digital space, recognizing that at some point in time, we will come out of this. And so you will be able to still utilize the physical. So it's just focusing on what can be enhanced and not trying to completely replace what that physical experience is. By no way, shape, or form would I say that 
any client is it's easier. It's not easier for us either. It's just we're trying to day by day consider what is working. If it's working really well, improve upon it, kind of do a gut check to see if something is a little off with any tasks that we're doing. And we ask our clients because every client's different too, like what works for them? Do you need less people in a room? Do you need more people in a virtual room, so to speak? And that's kind of how we've been working for most of our clients. And it's so far has worked very well on a lot of our projects, but we did have to do a gut check to kind of rework a lot of the ways that we do things that might be far more reliant on physical presence. That would be my biggest thing is taking that in consideration. Do you find that with working more remotely and online that clients require more check-ins? With technology, I feel like because there's not that one-in-one connection that people feel like they have this urge to get more frequently in touch with someone online. Is that going to be something that we all should anticipate for our, our future communication strategies? I think because you can't always physically see someone and because you're so reliant on just your one experience that it does kind of get you in that mindset of like checking in constantly there has been some for some clients and stuff for sure i've seen an increase of like where is this what's going on but that's more in a cuz some of the stuff was like urgent right like there was a sense of urgency around the certain things i think for now we're seeing it plateau and it's getting back to like kind of the similar communication standards like i mentioned too we're really big on video conferencing, even with our clients. Um, So I find that helps a lot because they can physically see you. So it, it gives that far more personable connection. We try to maintain that. And for certain clients, it is easier if we do have a frequency of our check ins, because they might have less to do in the physical environment. So they have far more free time to spend on a project or something like that. So we have definitely had to adjust some of our communications in that way. And I do foresee that'll probably happen for a lot of agencies as well as other individuals in, a, in your own environment, in your own organization as well. So it's kind of keeping that in mind that some people just might not have those coffee shops, that lunch hour, you know, those like pieces of communication. So just being cognizant of that they might just want to chit chat for a bit too and talk through things that they're used to kind of talking through on the fly to a, a coworker. They might want to just talk through those things a little bit more. We're humans at the end of the day. You, you know, we're used to communicating with people at a certain level of frequency. So kind of making those check-ins also some of them being a little more personable and not always about business too, I think is helpful and almost always lead off a meeting with, how are you actually doing today kind of thing. I think that's imperative, not only just from a customer perspective, but it's just some days are hard for everyone. So being very honest and transparent about it is uh, super helpful. And it's always appreciative. I mean, if I have a client asking me like with true honesty, and it does happen a lot, just check in and see how you're doing this day, you know, heard the news about whatever, you know, it, it's, it goes a long way of building that rapport where you can establish a working schedule. And we use a lot of tools that are very visible to our clients from project management so they can see what's going on. So they know things are moving and working. 
which is very helpful as well. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly. This was wonderful. Really great advice. And I know reason one does webinar sometimes. Are there any things coming up that we can share with our uh, listeners? We potentially will have one um, coming up in a couple of months. We did a webinar about a month ago on remote work, which was a little more culture specific and spoke to from like an HR perspective, some things you can do to help your team and definitely feel free to check that out. And we're always looking for opportunities to do more webinars to help our clients. So I'm sure we'll have some more on the horizon for sure. Great. And how can people find you? Yeah, they can go to our website. It's uh, reasononeinc.com. And so you can find pretty much links to anything there, or you can reach out to us. You're more than welcome also to reach out to me on LinkedIn. My name is Kimberly Gibson. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thank you for listening to Working Culture's Job Board Success Stories. For more information on other Working Culture resources, please visit our website, workingculture.ca, and subscribe to our newsletter to receive job board updates, news, and trends. Join us for our next episode or contact us at info at workingculture.ca to share your success story. Thanks so much, everyone.